Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. This Sunday night, it all goes down. Caroline's on Broadway, New York City. Sunday, 7 p.m. Not Sam Wrestling returns live to New York City. Be there in Times Square. The guest list is going to be tremendous. Go to carolines.com right now. Get tickets Sunday, September the 8th, 7 p.m. Caroline's on Broadway, New York City, Times Square. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Hey, welcome to the show, everybody. It's a big week for me. A big, big week, and hopefully a big week for a lot of you. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. I'm really looking forward to today's podcast. we got Baron Corbin on the show. It's a great interview. I'm really, really happy with it. Uh, I got to talk to him in White Plains, New York, uh, and we'll talk about all that. Uh, but first, as I so eloquently put it in the precursor to the show, I'm very excited, and I hope that everybody that can get tickets is getting tickets. I hope I'm going to see a lot of you guys at Caroline's on Broadway this Sunday. Of course, the 8th of September, uh, 2019, the year of our Lord, 7 p.m. is the start time. Tickets are at carolines.com. I'm trying to keep as much a surprise as possible just because I think it'll be funner that way. My birthday's on Friday. This show's on Sunday. Monday Night Raw is on Monday in Madison Square Garden. Smackdown at the Garden on Tuesday. It's all happening. And I really want to celebrate all of it. All of it. The only way I know how. And I want to do that with all of you. It's going to be a big, big deal. And I think a lot of you are going to have a lot of fun. So make sure you get those tickets carolines.com this Sunday night. Uh, It's going to be awesome. I also, you know, let's talk about the podcast a little bit. I heard from some of you that you didn't like that uh, there were some ads running right before we got into the interview. So we won't do that anymore. There's no more teases because I'm not trying to trick you into listening to ads. Uh, The only, the ads that are on the show are the people that are wonderful enough to support and sponsor Not Sam Wrestling to keep us alive, to keep us afloat. Um, And we're having some really amazing people come on board. So it's definitely all stuff that I want you guys to hear about. Uh, We do offer the show with no ads every single week on the Patreon page. It's less than a dollar a week. So for four bucks a month, you could get Not Sam Wrestling uh, ad-free if you really wanted to. But if you don't, you want to keep continuing to get this show for free, no problem. Um... And I won't, I, I guess the issue was that I played a piece of production that said, here's the interview, and then an ad started. So I'll just move that ad away from the production if it makes everybody happier. No big deal. I'm happy to do it. Um, a couple of rumors. It's not going to make State of Wrestling this week because it's right now it's just a rumor. But there is a pretty heavy rumor that there is another draft coming. I wouldn't care if they did f- 10 drafts a year. I love the drafts. I mean, I probably would care if they did 10 a year. But I always love draft shows. Um, As I think I probably talked about on the podcast, 
the whole like mixing up the roster thing, it felt like it was just kind of a holdover until SmackDown ended up on Fox uh, and Raw ended up on USA because all the reports have been that the shows are going to be completely separated once that happens. So uh, I would definitely believe that this draft is going to take place. Like, it seems likely. The rumor is that they're going to run the draft. They're going to do SmackDown live on Fox for the first time on the, uh, what, 4th of October, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, the 4th of October. Yeah, because Hell in a Cell is on the 6th. So it would be... It would be live SmackDown premiere on Fox October 4th. Sunday would be Hell in a Cell. Coming off of Hell in a Cell, you'd have Monday Night Raw, NXT on Wednesday, AEW on Wednesday, and then the following Friday, all these is all, again, all rumors. That's why this isn't in State of Wrestling. But the report is that the following Friday, on the second episode of SmackDown on Fox, uh, the draft would begin and it would continue on, on the following Monday. If that's all true, I think Dave Meltzer was the first to report it. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, I like to make sure everybody gets credit, but I don't know for sure. Uh, but um, I, I think it's super exciting. You know, as I've always, always, always been an advocate of having the brand separate. You know, I think once you do the draft, it should be carved in stone. If you really want to have one champion go back and forth, you know, I, I enjoyed it when it was separate pay-per-views. I get why they can't do, why the pay-per-views need to be co-branded. And I actually think they've done a really good job this time, co-branding the pay-per-views, having the blow-off stories per each show happen kind of independently, um, and, you know, not having too much interplay. Like, I mean, other than the, you know, whatever the, uh, uh, what are they called? The I, I, I've already forgotten what they're called when they can go from, uh, oh, the wild cards, other than the wild cards. Um, I, I, I've actually thought that they've done a better job this time than they used to with the co-branded pay-per-views. But I love the shows being separate. I think it's even even more, uh, it's an even bigger necessity now that the shows are going to be on two different channels, one at the beginning of the week, one at the end of the week. Uh, you know, I think it just makes sense that Raw feels different from SmackDown especially because NXT is going to, I think, hopefully, feel like its own island completely. And I think that that's also essential to the survival and uh, to, of NXT and, and for it to prosper uh, as well as it should. So, you know, I think that's all good news. We'll talk about a lot more news stories, per se, once the state of wrestling begins, obviously. Uh, and one of the things we will talk about in the state of wrestling is Baron Corbin and the week that he's had and my opinion of not only him and the King of the Ring, but where he's going as a superstar and the reception that people have to him. Uh, WWE was in town this weekend. They were at the uh, Westchester County Center in White Plains, New York. The Westchester County Center, I've talked about on the podcast before, I believe. One of my favorite venues in the world, partly because it's this small, intimate space where you get to see the superstars so close, and also partly because it's the building that I went to as a kid, you know? So I can go, and there have been controversy. Speaking of the podcast, by the way, the fact that I've been saying good things about Baron Corbin, and I was caught at the Westchester County Center booing the Major Brothers, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. People said, I thought we boo the bad guys, Sam. We do boo the bad guys. You cannot convince me. I mean, most of what Baron Corbin says... I buy into. I say, 
That's not a bad guy to me. You cannot convince me that Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, who have collection shamed me time in, time out, and also every time they lose a match, they go, no, we still won. We're never defeated, even in defeat. Like, that's lame. Those are bad guys. So I still stand by my theory that I could boo them if I want to. Um, but I thought, uh, I thought the, the, so I still boo the bad guys, kind of, maybe not. I thought that the show was super fun at the county center. And one of the things that I got to do was I went a little early and I met up with Baron Corbin himself, the man himself, in my opinion, the future king of the WWE. I met up with him backstage uh, at the Westchester County Center to talk about everything from uh, social media feedback to, uh, uh, to, to the King of the Ring tournament itself, to his watch collection, to his family, to horror movies, to everything. You know he's got horror movie tattoos on his leg? I'm not going to tell you what movie it is because I don't want to spoil the interview, but it really is great. Now, before we get to the interview, I want to take a time out to tell you about something, and here it is. Answer this hypothetical for me. You find $100 on the street. Do you pick it up or you keep walking? Look, I lost my wallet over the weekend, and I know why. The answer is you pick it up and you keep walking. You take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them, huh? Huh? That's why you should check out my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they actually pay when you win. Because where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. My bookie has opened up my world. Finally, I care about sports. You know why? Because I can pick who I think is going to win, and then I can make a whole bunch of money, and then they actually give me the money. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? I found that out. It's true. If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. It's incredible. If you're the kind of person that likes to uh, bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings by a lot. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year. Join now, and my bookie is going to double your first deposit. Use promo code NOTSAM to activate this offer. That's promo code NOTSAM. Visit mybookie.ag today. Promo code NOTSAM. You play, you win, you get paid. Here he is, the man himself, ladies and gentlemen. On Not Sam Wrestling, one of my faves, Baron Corbin. The Not Sam Wrestling interview. Big screen TV right there. Especially here in Westchester, don't, New York. Don't block out our love, Fern. I brought the Fern. Yep. Because we are here, ladies and gentlemen. We are here. With Baron Corbin. What's the half, man? Me. Uh, future King Corbin. Future King Corbin. Right. I've been advocating for this. You I feel have? like I feel like the King of the Ring tournament was literally created as a vehicle to get Baron Corbin to the place where he's going next. Yes, I, I think so. Uh, and King Corbin just rolls off the tongue. You I were mean, Baron. Have you been attacked for, you know, advocating for me to oh, win? Oh, very, very, very <laughs> much. <laughs> I like, mean, here's, here's the thing. Like, I was attacked because I said from the beginning, this is where it's going. Yeah. And so far, I've been right about every single match, Every single one. All of them. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so you must be the worst person alive aside from me now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. He likes Corbin. Boycott his show. Yeah, it's bad. It's hey, bad. now I'm on the show. And that's what they say, too. They say, that's the most WWE thing I've ever heard. And I'm like, that doesn't. <laughs> I mean, are you kind of. 
kind of knows what they, I mean, yeah. they've got a pretty successful track yeah, record. I would say generally. so. I would say so. They've been number one for a long, 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 long time. Yeah. You know, they're doing something right. <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, you're a guy who doesn't have, you know, who came in here with experience being a public figure. You've done professional athletics where yes. people had, had opinions about you, but you hadn't done wrestling before this. Were you able to pretty quickly realize that even though you might have your own insecurities because you're learning that the people who are on the internet telling you you suck are not the <laughs> ones to listen to well they also aren't the ones paying my bills so from day one i go eh, i'm not really going to listen to that guy because if he knew what he was talking about he might be here or right. you know it's funny too a lot of people have these opinions these elaborate thoughts and why things work and don't work but if your opinion was so good you'd probably get paid for it you'd be a, a famous writer you would be some sort of uh influential voice but they're not they're mm -hmm. on twitter Mm -hmm. They're tweeting, and they have 71 followers, and they get one like, and the other uh, things that happen on their page are all robots or whatever it is. So they, their opinions never really mattered to me. Um, and I've been used to critics. When I played football, you know, I was an offensive lineman. So uh, you'd get a lot of people, if, if the game wasn't uh, what they wanted, if it wasn't a high-scoring game or whatever it was, it was always the offensive line's fault. It was never anybody else but the offensive line. And most of the times they have no clue what they're talking about. It's so funny because they're like, well, the old line played bad. They gave up four sacks in this game, so it's their fault that they didn't score 21 points when in reality it would be like a coverage sack or they brought eight when we had seven protecting and then the running back would miss one. So the old line really only gave up one, but you don't actually know what you're talking about. So, right. I mean, that's no different than what we do now. That's These what I was going to ask you. You know, people talk about like wrestling fans, like it's this own crazy, like, oh, they're so critical of everything, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like – you know, it's not it's not it's wrestling not rest fans, it's, but it's not wrestling fans. It's, it's internet fans, of uh, for, things for, in general, for especially right? here. Right. But okay. uh, yes, and and the internet because for anything because they they can't be held accountable for what they say. It's very easy to hide behind the keyboard and comment how you hate everything. But um, you know what? They're still at the shows. They're still coming out. But a majority of the wrestling fans, the WWE fans that are in the building, are women, kids, families, and people who just want to have fun. Like. They are having a great time when they come to these shows. They're not reading Twitter. They're not worried about what, what Twitter has said about somebody. Um, it's usually five or six guys over in a corner, and that's it. That, that, that's the percentage. The percentage is um, these internet fans is very small. They're just very loud. Yeah. And that's the world we live in. But the WWE fans, the WWE universe that come and they love what we do, they're totally different. They, they are just in the shows. They, they are not concerned with – what somebody's doing outside of the building or how someone uh, dressed that day, what color their shoelaces were, or, um, you know, what kind of car they drove, like things that don't actually matter to what they're doing in the ring. They're there to just have fun and experience the WWE uh, event as a whole. It's a very small number of very critical critics. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you find yourself, like, wanting to show less of what you're doing in your normal life or – more of that you know what I mean like does it kind of influence you to go like you know what it's not worth it because I mean I see I follow you on Instagram you know you're a cigar enthusiast you're a watch collector but it's almost like do I want to show people my watch collection because they're going to be like there's the bad guy wrestler I hate that guy I think you're going to get it no matter what you do um and for me I'm going to put it out there because I want to 
attract these other worlds into what I do as a WWE superstar. Because now you're, you're right, you know, I like cigars, I like wine, I love cooking, I have uh, an elaborate horror collection, and I love going to horror movies and uh, my watches. So now, you know, there might be somebody who comes across my Instagram and sees, oh man, he's really got these really unique Omegas, or he's got, man, he's got this Rolex, or he's got this super unique piece. Now I'm going to watch wrestling because I, I like what this guy's in. So for me, if I can broaden my audience outside of the WWE universe and the... Don't knock the Fern. The, yeah, yeah. Watch out, Mr. Yeah. Fern. Hit him at the end of days. Um, but it, it might bring more people into what we do. I think that's the cool thing is if they can find a way to connect to us uh, in some way outside of WWE, totally. that might bring them in the building. I think that's the coolest thing. Like Roman Reigns right now being in this movie, um, people are going to go see this movie and go, wait. WWE's coming to town. I get a chance to see the movie star Roman Reigns, where they may not have been a wrestling fan, and they come to a live event, and they're like, wait, this was freaking awesome. Like, then next time they bring their yeah. three friends. Like, so those things that I put on my social media, yes, I'm going to have the idiots that come say something every single time. It's so crazy. I put up uh, a picture of my little girl the other day, and you still get people, and you're going, what? Like, why do you come to the page just to say something that right. has nothing to do with my picture? Like, it's like, well, you cheated to win that match. Clearly, yeah. you're a bad father. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, I mean, what? that's what you get. That's, like, the, that's the connection they draw. It's insane to me. Or, like, um, the other funny thing is, like, I put up a picture. It's my wife's dad's Ferrari. He lets right. me take it out all the time. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm taking the Ferrari out. And they're like, you rented it. <laughs> you can't afford it. You're going to be broke. They just assume all of these things. They think because I'm driving a Ferrari now, I'm not going to have any money when I'm older. I'm going to be a broke ex-WWE superstar. You were like, here's this cool car. I want to take a picture yeah, of it. show you. Like, that's what it is. They draw these eight million conclusions to but this. But I also love the idea because I would love to meet the people that, like, they're like, well, I'm into horror stuff. I'm into metal. I like this Baron Corbin guy. I'm going to go see this show. Why are you all booing Baron Corbin? Because <laughs> like, they, yeah, they didn't realize. They're, they're not like. prepared for that. It's so funny. And I tell a lot of my friends that, that I'm friends with in bands when they come to a show. Um, like, they'll be good friends. I go, hey, man, the, the crowd is going to be crazy. They're going to boo me. And they're like, really? Why? And I'm going, that's what I do, man. Like, yeah. just join in. And I leave after the show. They're going, dude, I was booing you. I gave you the <laughs> finger. Like, I don't know what happened. It's so funny. So Yeah, I mean, is there any part of you that goes like, you know, because social media, it's just made it such a an interesting time, right, that now fans do relate to you on a real-life level where when, you know, when guys like me were growing up, I wasn't relating to the people I was watching on TV on a real-life level because I didn't know yeah. anything about it. I didn't know it. what you Bam Bam Bigelow was doing exactly. in his off time. Does any part of you go like, well, I want to protect the fact that I've managed in 2019 to be a true villain. The last thing I want to do is come across as relatable. Well, I people. think you can still be relatable and still be an a-hole. Like, that's yeah. just – it's funny because people have been saying that to me since I was a kid. They're like, man, I like the guy, but – you know, he's a jerk. Like, you get a lot of, especially in college, I would get in a lot of fights. And, um, you know, yeah, I don't really like him. But if something goes down, I want him on my side. Right. So I think a lot of that stuff, you know, I can be a, a good father and do cool stuff and still be an a-hole. Like, right. I tell people a lot of times when I do interviews, they're like, man, you know, we saw everybody booing you, but you seem like a nice guy. I go, yeah, but if you put some money on the table and say you and I are going to fight over that money, you're going down. And they're like, <laughs> right. oh, I get it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> There's something there. and um, But I do – social media is a double-edged sword. I think it's great because it does make you relatable, but it also helps people. Like there are people that I know uh, like – 
Alexa Bliss's story comes out about the issues she's had or whatever, and and people see that and they go, man, I'm going through the same things. Right. She made it successful, so it gives these people this opportunity to see someone who's made it, who maybe is going through the same thing they've gone through. Vice versa with like my NFL stuff. If an NFL guy's bummed out, he's like, man, I didn't make it in the NFL. I don't have an option. Uh, but this dude, you know, he played football and he didn't make it. And you know, look what he's doing now. Maybe I can become an Olympic shot putter. Like it sure, gives sure, people, sure. I think, a lot of hope. But then it's the double-edged swords that it does let people into your life a little too much. Sometimes I think um, it's hard to find that balance of what to let people in. Like I said, I want to grow my brand um, and let people get interested in some things I'm into because it also might help somebody find a band. It was so funny. I, I was talking about uh, Ice Nine Kills. Like, they're a horror band, a horror-themed rock band. And I was posting something, and those dudes reached out. They're like, dude, we're huge wrestling fans. We didn't know you were a fan. Like, And then now some of their fans are following me. And, like, it's a cool thing to help kind of build that you did wouldn't have that before. Yeah. When, is it wild to you thinking now? I would imagine that, like, when you get to the NFL, right, in your head, you're going, this is what I've been working for my whole life. Like, this is what my legacy is going to be. I'm going to die. I'll have my family, and the public will know me as a football player. And that doesn't work out. To be where you are now, where it's like you do have that thing, arguably more than you could have ever had it in the NFL, not because of your skill level, but because, I mean, Baron Corbin is one of these, you know how WWE works, characters that resonate last forever yes. like baron corbin regardless of what you do going forward even baron Corbin's going to last forever and you now have this like you didn't even realize this chapter in your life was coming and it actually is it's your legacy it is 100 percent. i think um you know football was awesome i played football i was really good at it and i got an opportunity i came from a small school made it to the nfl and it was kind of a thing where i was playing at that point more so that because i was good enough to play not because my passion and love was there and when it was done i was like okay i'm i'm ready to move on and you know i'd been a it was so funny cuz nxt i was like i've never watched wrestling what's wrestling i didn't know any about this but i grew up in kansas city we had memorial hall where harley race came through like we had awesome wrestling history so i was like man maybe this is my chance to give this a shot and and it really um, i think sparked something in me because it's a challenge like in football you're a team and you're trying to win games and it's the Super Bowl and or college national championships, but other people can cost you your successes and, and whatnot. It's a weird, different kind of thing. And then when you come to WWE, it's all about you. Sometimes you guys have tag partners and that helps make you successful. But I think for me, I love it so much here because every day is challenging. Everybody is, every day is different. There's all kinds of changes that happen, whether it's one minute before, two weeks before, a year from before. Like Things are always changing and then there's new goals like – you know, when I was the lone wolf, I wanted to be world champion, and I, you know, I, I, you know, didn't get there as that, and then I evolved to the constable, and I'm going, okay, this is a new challenge. So then it was acting general manager. This is another new challenge. Like, then when that ended, it was like, okay, now I'm facing Seth for the universal championship. Another new challenge. Now this King of the Ring tournament is back, and I'm a part of that. Like, it's this constant um, excitement for all of the new challenges, you know, as well as disappointments, like the money in the bank didn't work out. So how do I get to the next level after that? It's also really interesting that you put it that way, because I mean, you hear a lot of people complaining, you know, one of the WWE kind of complaints is that, well, no matter what I did, it wasn't going to work out for me. And, and, and I wasn't able to do what I wanted to do, but coming from team sports, that's a sad story of a lot of people nowadays. If something doesn't work, it's because of somebody else or Mm -hmm. nobody wanted them to do it. It, It's just one of those things like, man, if you want to get something and you just, you really go and people are going to appreciate it. it may take longer than expected. Like 
you know, I'd hope to be a world champion by now, but it's taken me three and a half years and it'll come. It's just that grind. But a lot of people after six months are going to go, well, you know, I'm, it's not going to work out for me because I'm not champion yet. Like it's a grind. Anything worth it is truly a grind. So yeah, yeah it's like that, that's that kind of thing where you have to not feel sorry for yourself and just keep keep pushing so like how do you push past so let's say this, i mean you brought the money in the bank obviously when you win the money in the bank in your head you got to be going okay this means that i'm on the road that i want to be on i am going to get that 100 percent. <laughs> and then when it's like actually you know we're going to squash it right away yeah from hey uh, gender's going to beat tonight <laughs> I, huh like yeah. huh like it's one of those things um and then, and then you have to, but, but I mean, based on your philosophy, you have to be strong enough to be like, okay, I'm just like the disappointment's obviously going to just come over you. Yeah. And but, you've got to be able to push it's past not it. not just the disappointment too, because then you got to think about the, the snowball effect of the disappointment, because now all these people that I've been rubbing it in their face that, you know, I got money in the bank, I'm the world champion, the internet, ha, ha, ha. Now, not only am I disappointed in myself because I didn't make it, but now I have a bunch of other people telling me and the whole like you have audiences chanting where's your briefcase like that stings man right. like i should right. be holding the, the championship right now so it is one of those things like you have where's to your be briefcase good. Is, yeah. a, is a genius champ <laughs> by the way it really is. i still get it every once in a while <laughs> like one time it was funny i was hitting braun with a with a chair and a guy in the car goes hey where's your briefcase i go i don't know ask braun where his is and i hit him again <laughs> like it's so funny because i get ridiculed but like they just instantly forget that he didn't win his either right but um, yeah, it's one of those things I think growing up since I was a kid, you just, you have to learn not to live in that past. You kind of always are what's next, what's next, what's next. Cause even in like football or jujitsu or boxing, anything I was doing, even I played for my high school golf team, man, like sports, like you hit a bad shot. You can't dwell on that. You got to go to the next thing. Or if you have a bad play and you give up a sack or a holding call, if you let that bother you, it's just going to snowball. Your game's going to, it's gone, done. Yeah. You're over. Um, so I think I learned very young to always kind of one thing at a time and go, like not to worry about what just happened. And I think that's what makes me successful, like in a sense of not listening to people on the internet. Like they don't affect me. At the end of the day, I'm not losing sleep over these people. Um, you know, I'm living a good life. Mm-hmm. And and so it just, I learned not to let that. Or if somebody else, hey, if somebody else gets an opportunity over me, I'm not going to go, oh, man, that guy, it's because this guy likes him more than me. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Do you, are you the type of person that when something like that happens, do you get paranoid? Like, oh, maybe this person that liked me before doesn't like me anymore, or maybe the company's lost faith in me, or maybe this is really it for me. Yeah, I think it, I think it crosses everybody's mind, and mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing because I think it means you care about what you're doing, but you just can't dwell on it. You can't blame somebody else for that. Like, if someone else gets an opportunity you want, I mean, good for them. However they got it, they got it. But – whether I cry because they got it because they didn't deserve it or because they earned it, it doesn't affect me. I have right. to figure out my next route to get to where I want to go. When people talk about the uh, the NXT call-ups, you know, there is this kind of, like, uh, nervousness, right? When yeah. they're like, so-and-so is coming up from NXT, and they go, oh, I like them in NXT. I don't want them to misuse them. <laughs> I don't want them to – they're going to come out, and they're going to get jobbed out. Yeah. Or they're going to – you know, they'll, yeah. they'll use whatever terms. 100%. And then do you want to be like, guys, do you – I feel like all the people that came from NXT that were successful don't get talked about because people forget that they came from NXT because it's almost – like people don't remember that you were an NXT guy because – You've made such an impact on the yeah. main roster. Like, I honestly think that there are a lot of people who don't remember Ricochet. 
was in NXT. Alistair Black was in NXT. Shinsuke. Shinsuke. Kevin Owens. Yeah. And all these guys, what's what's crazy is I think, you know, when people say, I don't want them to come up and get misused. Nobody's going to get misused. They're going to be given opportunities, and they're either going to make them successful or they're not. It's just the way it is. And there's a reason that NXT and, and Triple H has built such an amazing thing down there because he gets guys ready to come up here. Now, you know, NXT went from development assistant. When I went in, it was FCW, and it was, it was nothing. And Hunter got his hands on it and really built something truly special out of it. And he's taken these guys from developmental to a third brand, which I think is spectacular because we did it. You know, I was part of that movement, you know, when I was wrestling Samoa Joe yeah. in front of 16,000 people in Brooklyn. Like, that was the biggest show NXT would ever had at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's getting guys ready to come up here. And sometimes people get called up. Uh, they may not be absolutely ready or whatever it is or the situation didn't fit like they thought it would and it's just going to take time to kind of rebuild or figure it out and that's on the guys that get called up when they get called up it's on them to find success and scene has always been a guy who preached that like it's on you it's not on anybody else so if guys are being misused if you will like it, it's it's not anybody's fault but their own they need to figure out a way to find uh, an avenue to get successful get creative pitch ideas and it's hard because you do get lost in the shuffle up here and there's a lot of guys who I think could do great things given the opportunity and it's just a matter of fighting and finding that opportunity how was it for you you come up to the main roster from NXT and the first match is not only Wrestlemania Battle Royal you win the thing right (laughs) so number one how are you prepared as much as NXT prepares you how are you prepared to walk into a wrestling stadium? And obviously you've yeah. done stadiums before, you know, but to walk into a wrestling stadium, as you said, by yourself and go like, here I am. How are you prepared for that? And then how does it feel getting acclimated into the main roster when people are like, who is this guy? He yeah. just showed up and won the Andre Trophy. Yeah, so I think a couple things helped me. I think number one is – being in stadiums and being in front of large crowds and being under that pressure and when your job depends on it. When you're in the NFL, your job depends on your play. Right. Like, if you're not playing good enough, you go home. You no longer have a paycheck. And um, I think that helps me get ready. So, you know, it teaches me how to deal with the pressure of those things. And I also look at it, where do I want to go, not where am I at? Like, I train and I try to develop myself to where I want to be so that I'm ready when I get there. And I think that helped me a lot when I come to the main roster. Well, this is what I've been training for, so I'm ready. Like The nervousness was was there in a good way, not mm-hmm. in a bad way. Um, and I think, uh, you know, debuting like that, I think I fit the WWE roster mold much better than the NXT mold. It's a different style. It's, it's cool because it's the underground, not so much underground anymore, but it was when I was there. It was the underground, cool, heavy metal band that was car crashes totally. and wildness. And, you know, I was so different than everybody else. Like, I was a big dude. I was a, a little more old school in the aspect of I'm not doing moonsaults. And th- I can do them. I can fl- – dude, I dove for 10 years. I could throw a, a moonsault off the top row if I need to, but I don't. I feel like they, your character was – a main roster yes. character, and that's what made you the biggest bad guy yes, in 100%. the promotion. I mean, when they, I remember one of the shows, one of the NXT shows I went to, they played your package. It was probably the Brooklyn show when they played the package, and like in the arena, they played you doing the, like, they made a phone call. Yeah. I didn't yeah. have to do it. Yeah. And it was like yeah. right as that was like Finn Balor and Kevin Owens and Samoa and all these guys that people loved because they had done this all their lives and they were never yeah. supposed to get an opportunity and finally they got one. And then here comes you. <laughs> I've yeah. never heard – I've never seen this guy in wrestling right. before. Right. He's acting Instant above it. Hate. And it's all true. Yeah, 100%. 
and I feel like that, that and that was the fun part of it was because I did make a phone call to get here like my agent called and he knew somebody in the music department so he called them and they're like wait you want to become a yeah all right we'll fly you out next week like that was literally my road and these dudes did have a hard road man they they did 10 years in Japan or did independence and I always would tease the line that they worked for a hot dog and chips but it's true yeah and I think that's what resonates with those fans is they're like man he's right what a jerk. Like, yeah. he didn't pay any of his – you know how many times I heard you didn't pay your dues and you didn't do this? And I'm going, you're right. I didn't have to. Like, <laughs> that made it so easy <laughs> so for great. me. Um, so it was a very main roster-esque persona. But that's, that's who I was. Right. You know? And, you know, we go back to social media a little bit. The fun thing about social media as well that people don't realize, these, these guys will tweet you and tell you, you're the worst because of this. And you go, oh, he didn't like that. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> yeah. and they go, oh, you best look stupid. I wanted to go, I'm going to wear two of them. Like, <laughs> take it off and go, I got another one on. Like, it's so funny because they don't realize they're telling you what to do. But, and that's the same thing, too, with, with what I do now. They go, oh, Baron Corbin is boring. He doesn't do a bunch of moves. So I'm not going to do a bunch of moves. No. I'm going to kick, punch, do a couple things, hit my signature Get those stuff. chin locks on. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's what's fun is that because I know it irritates them. Yeah. If I go out there and I do some awesome stuff, I'm going to be cool. Like, yeah. That's the bottom line. And they, but they want to go, he can't wrestle. Oh, no, I can't. Let me take a minute. You know, you're probably not listening to this on a Wednesday. You might. But there's a good chance that of all the days of the week, it may not be Wednesday that you listen to Not Sam Wrestling. That doesn't mean, though. That it's not hump day. You know what I'm saying? You know why? Because of our good friends at Blue Chew. Look, I'm exhausted, okay? All the time. Literally. Exhausted all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm weak. Sometimes a shell of the person that I used to be. However, I am always there when my wife needs me. You know why? Because Blue Chew not only makes me physically capable of finally pleasing the woman that I love the way she deserves, but mentally gives me the confidence to know that this is what's coming. Blue Chew is a life changer, okay? First chewable that's got the same FDA-approved ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can be ready to go at any time. Work all day, work all night, doesn't matter, okay? Let's say you like video games, right? You're playing video games nonstop. Your woman comes to you. Your partner comes to you. They say, hey, when are you going to show me some affection? You've been making love to that PlayStation all day. And you can go like this. Oh, you need attention? Boom. Moments notice you're ready to go and pay attention to your partner the same way you pay attention to NBA Jam. It's never a problem because of Blue Chew. Day or night, full stomach, empty stomach, doesn't matter. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast. So let's say you didn't take a Blue Chew. No problem. Take it right now. You want me to meet you upstairs, honey? No problem. After you. She turns around, pop a Blue Chew. That's the sound of chewing. That means it's going down nice and quickly. And guess what? Little spicy foreplay. And by the time you reach the point that you need to reach... You are more ready to go than you've ever been in your entire life. It's like you're a teenager again. It's incredible. If you could benefit from any extra function whatsoever, more confidence, whatever, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. And get this, it's prescribed online. That means there's no awkwardness, no pharmacy visits, no doctor's offices. Just comes to your door in a discreet package. No one is going to know what it is. 
except your partner when it's time to use it. Hey, you can visit bluechew.com right now and get your first shipment for free with promo code ROBERTS. That's my name. You use my name. You can have Blue Chew for free. All you do is pay $5 shipping. That's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Roberts. Try it for free. Be a confident person who can please your partner like nobody has ever done before. BlueChew.com. Promo code Roberts. When you're gonna so when you're gonna hit the end of days on Becky Lynch, and you know, I mean I mean you know how impactful that's going to be. You know it's like of all the dirty, dastardly. And plus, it never happens, right? We right. don't Zero. see that. Are you thinking about that spot the whole match going like, I can't wait so, to hear. Yes, because I was curious to the reaction. I was yeah, curious yeah. to what. And it was one of the craziest reactions that I've ever heard because they, they heard me, like, when you stand behind her and I'm getting up behind her, and you hear them going, uh, and then when I snatch her, they're going, no, and then when I, like, do it, it's, like, almost dead quiet for a second. They're like, that, that just, did that, hey, dude, did he just (laughs) hit her with the end of days? And they're like, yeah, 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 and they, like, pop. They're like, yeah, wait, no, boo, like, (laughs) it was the most confused, amazing reaction of just pure, natural excitement and hatred like and then i even had to give some stuff to our social media team because like i received death threats after that like it was insane like people went way overboard like i yeah. thought i got some good stuff before and they're like i'm coming to raw to stab you and i'm going hey man we gotta you, you wanna should probably scan for this guy <laughs> so it was crazy but yeah and then like and i was doing it too it's so funny because i can't remember i said something to rollins right after i called him a piece of shit or something i don't know what it was um but I was so excited when I did that, and the reaction was so unreal and so loud that I turned around. I was like, I'm mad. And so I just yelled at Ron's, like, whatever I was feeling, and it came out. And it was so funny because like, it was totally natural, but I had to totally click back into the zone. Yeah. It was it was a very surreal moment that I will remember forever. That's amazing. Uh, and then, so after that, how do you do not being on TV for a month or so? Like, is it? okay, like, I know what this is. I'm going to let this be a refresher. I'm going to rest a little bit. I mean, I know you're still doing live events, yeah. but I'm going to rest. I'm going to allow the audience to rest. Or does that thing click in the back of your so, head? Like, So me being I- who I am, I'm going, I want to go, 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 yeah, go. Yeah. Like, it, it's crazy because, like, last year I wrestled the second most matches in the entire company. This year, right now, I'm number one most matches in the company. Um, I go, go, go. I work, work every single live You want event. that record. I love it. Yeah. I, well, I just I, – because to me it's pride. It's a sense of pride. I work for every dollar I get. You know, I want to scratch and claw to be the hardest working guy around here, um, especially because people don't see that. So I appreciate it. Like, you know, all those people are like, oh, he can't do this. He sucks or whatever. They don't realize I'm doing – wrestling more matches than anybody Mm -hmm. you know i'm running 30 minutes against rollins every night in every town we go to whether there's 2,000 people there or 50,000 people we are going full bore and um i take a lot of pride in that work ethic that i have and um i don't remember where i was taking that thought process but um it's just something that i'm i'm proud of is being that way so then when i come to uh, a month off Mm -hmm. like i'm just i'm getting antsy it's like i've had too much caffeine i'm sitting there going okay what are we doing what are we doing what are we doing what are we doing yeah. like whoa especially because i'm i was pulling you know eight sags when i was acting general manager me eight times a night so i think it was a good thing to kind of back up there for a month my program had ended with rollins and um 
with that, I think it was good for a break for me a little bit mentally and my body a little bit. Even though I'm still doing live events, like the TV days can be long when you're there at 2 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and you're there all day and you're moving and getting ready for your segments and the, the anxiety and the stress of, of a TV day is, is a lot. So it was good for my mind and my body to kind of back up. And I think it was good for the audience to get a little bit of a break too. It was so funny because I would see a lot of comments that are like, that was the best Raw ever because there was no Baron Corbin. But then after three weeks, they're like the same person. like, wait, <laughs> where's Baron Corbin? Like, <laughs> yeah. get him on the show. Like, so it was good because it's kind of good to be missed a little bit. I think yeah. that's a cool thing about King of the Ring is like it was missed for a little while. So now it feels a little more special. So yeah, people got excited. And you know, they announced the it. day I came back, it was like I was never gone. They still hated every bit of me. <laughs> <laughs> Which is but, all you but, can ask but for. But yeah, I mean, I sit back there and I'm antsy and I'm going, hey, man, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? He goes, hey, just relax. Like. We're doing it. How does your family feel about uh, the bad guy stuff? How does your family feel about the hate that you get in response to it? The the stuff that you say on TV that, yeah. that deserves the hate. So that you get it, in it all to depends it? Um, who I'm doing it with. Mm -hmm. So because like my mom, my mom loves Dolph Ziggler. When, when me and him were <laughs> why would you do that to Dolph? Like that was mean. Or you look like a giant baby out there throwing a tantrum. She goes, "Are you ten? Like so, my mom's funny. But then like she, I'm like I always tell her because my mom like follows my Instagram or whatever. It's a proud mother, and she reads the comments. I'm like mom, stop reading the comments or she'll see something i heard this mom get off the internet like <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about they have no clue yeah. don't listen to them like my mom's going they had to cancel live events because becky and seth were on vacation mom <laughs> stop reading the internet like that's what like it's so funny because my mom gets like caught up in it or why would they say that about you like she can't comprehend why people are so mean and and it's it's just funny because I always want to like when you get like a twelve year old kid that says just something horrible I want to be like hey I'm sending this to your dad they'd be like what <laughs> no <laughs> like it's so funny but like so my mom sees it my wife just laughs she's yeah she, she gets just it. that's she awesome total or she'll like we were looking we were sitting on the couch the other night and I'm going man I want to I want to get a better crown that one didn't fit my head right like if I win like I'm gonna I need a great crown mm -hmm. and she's like yeah you need one with all these diamonds she goes you know what you need need a goblet like one of those cups with diamonds she's like that'll make people hate you <laughs> you'll always be carrying around this goblet drinking and then, you need this like staff that's all like and so my my wife like feeds into it and loves it right and it's pretty funny yeah my dad called me today and he was like hey what's going on with your twitter account i'm like dad <laughs> i don't know but one cure would be like you're searching my app message yeah. you gotta stop yeah you can't you do can't that do you it. can't you do it to... you see the quality of people that are writing that stuff it's yeah just, do you believe the, the, the Baron Corbin controversy, I, they talked about it on Busted Open. Do you believe in go-away heat? They no. Because that's what people no. would say. It's nonsense. It's like that's what the people think because, because they don't want me – they, like, they're so confused like what go-away go heat is. Like these people are booing me because they don't – they're like they hate me so much. They're like go away. I hate you. Like I got you. <laughs> right. Like that's, that's the culmination of all heat is you hate me so much. Like you truly hate me. You're not like – Hey, I like you, boo! I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they truly hate me because of whatever I do to their favorite people or whatever I say. Or, you know, I get a lot of people that will come on there and go, "I bet you really are a jerk in real life." And like I'm going, "Dude, I got you." Like, yeah, that's my job. By I the want way, you to I hope, hate I hope me. you feel that yes. way. It's good for business. Yeah, it's not go away. He does not real. Like I walk out of the curtain, they're going, "Oh, these boring." If I was, no one would be saying anything. No one would be making a sound. Instead, every single person in that building. From the four-year-old kid in the front row to the 85-year-old woman who's given me the finger, all hate me. There's no, like, 
let's go Cena, Cena sucks. I don't get that. I no. get everybody hates me. That is, yeah. I mean, go away heat. The sound of go away heat is, is silence. nothing. That's it's what just it is. like, oh, yeah, I don't, yeah, why, is, I, why are you I, here? I don't care if he's here or not. Right. Like, I'll, I'll show up later. He's yeah. going on first. All right, I'll, yeah. I'll come for the second match. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see Midsummer? I'm not yet. I hear oh, it's dude. awesome, though. It's so. It's supposed to be like, um, there's a movie called Martyrs, a French film. Mm-hmm. It's super horror. Like, it's supposed to be on the level of that. Hey, did you see the original Wicker Man from 1973? Yeah. yeah. So it's super. Oh, it's going to be. If you like that. You yeah. Like, yeah, I just Slow saw Slow burn. Yeah, oh, really yeah. twisted. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I just saw the director's cut. They just put the director's cut back in theaters. Yeah. Over the weekend of Midsummer, it's like three hours long. So, so having a, well, she'll be five months old tomorrow, baby at home, uh-huh. that really cuts into your going to theater time. I know. So I was just having this conversation. And so here's what I do now is like I have, because I got a two-and-a-half-year-old and a, a three-month-old. Yeah, okay. So by 8.30, the house is quiet. And because my wife is there just busting ass, yeah. she's asleep by nine. Yeah. So after nine o'clock, I'm going to literally every movie in the last year that's come out. I've seen by myself <laughs> at nine o'clock I, in a movie theater. You know, like I actually alone. like going by myself. Yeah, um, but it, it's so funny because my wife, like, I always go, "Okay, do you want to see this one or not?" And then she's like, "Yes." And I, so I have to wait on those. Um, but I put like a theater in my house yes. uh, upstairs, so that's my like go-to spot now. When the baby goes to sleep, we go upstairs. Like we watched. Um, uh, it's where the little kid has the superpowers. It's Oh, it's if like Superman the, it's like could be evil, could essentially. Evil. Brightburn, Brightburn, or like that? yeah. We watched that the other night. Was it, it was good. Eh, the ending fell flat for me, mm-hmm. um, just a little bit. It was still, I'd watch it. Like it's, yeah, fun, a fun watch, a cool I liked idea. I like the trailer, but I didn't. The tra- trailer was awesome. I like the uh, the lady that's in the, the movie, and I mean, I'll give every horror movie a chance. Yeah. And I'm not a super critic like a lot of people we've talked about today. Like I don't care if there's ten people in the movie theater or five hundred. I'm gonna go see it and have fun with it and you're not pick gonna, out you're the not things gonna, like you're not gonna say. Well, this movie sucks because it's not drawing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this guy said it wasn't good. And also, there were four empty seats in the theater. I hear I took a picture. Here, I'll put it on my yeah. Twitter. By the way, I saw Hereditary, and if Tony Collette is supposed to be the star, she didn't get a pop yeah. at all. Yeah. So, no, I don't I do not do that. But, like, uh, I want to see that Midsummer. It looks so good. It's so um, good. I met some, some guys that run a podcast, a horror podcast in L.A. Um, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head right now. But I'm going to try to do that when we're out there like it's fun to get in with those people because they'll throw you some movies you wouldn't necessarily find um like martyrs if you haven't seen martyrs i'm definitely gonna see martyrs it's there's points where you're like oh that's heavy like yeah ah." yeah yeah i just i'm starting a youtube thing of just like obscure movies that i find myself watching i just want to turn other people on to that's fantastic yeah so i just watched sleepaway camp again not seen that dude from 1983 no it's that's from before i was born dude it's I'm well. I mean, I'm gonna watch it. It's it's. I mean, I have my whole leg of, of horror tattoos. So. Oh my god. I got you know, <laughs> Children of the Corn, the Gremlins. Flashing Gremlin, uh, Zodiac, The Ring. Um, what else I got over here? Signs of the Lambs. Signs of the Lambs. Signs. Well, how good was Signs, dude? When you have a tattoo a kid, of the movie Signs? Yeah. That's incredible. Dude, <laughs> when I was a kid, that movie scared the life out of me. <laughs> that and Fourth Kind. Uh, Candyman, another fantastic one. Have you seen uh, M Night's? Uh, grandma movie yeah oh it's visit. great isn't it so amazing? good so good terrifying i feel like m9 i like movies too like that like that could actually happen like yes and like it all like logically strangers sense. yeah strangers oh like dude i went to school like in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. and you'd pass by these houses that are just out in the field and you're going mm, those people are goners like yeah. <laughs> you're just like dude yeah isn't that great but like yeah and the strangers when it was like why are they doing this they're just doing it yeah because we can because you were home I think he says because you're like, home. Yeah, like, that could happen. 100%. That, I like those, and I like 
I like uh, like Paranormal, like Paranormal Activity, the original one, fantastic. I Honestly, like Paranormal I give them the movies. first three. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree. And then with it started that. getting real wacky. Yeah, you know? like, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But I like those because like, I like the ghost stuff. We did the you know Corbin's Haunted Adventures. We're doing some more of those uh, on YouTube. Hopefully, that's awesome. Um, it's fun to go do that stuff. Yeah. Well, next time we do this, we'll just talk about horror movies the whole time. 100%. We've done all the wrestling talk. We yes. did it all. Yes. So next time it'll just be from here on. It's just going to be horror movie <laughs> interviews nonstop. I'm just going to have to keep watching your YouTube for for movies to watch. Yeah, that's what's great. My buddy, um, he he does a poor podcast called uh, Who Goes There, and he every week he's sending me, he says, "Hey, did you watch this? Did you watch this yet?" Like, dude, I found like the Green Room. Did you watch the Green Room? No, I dude, did. is it great? Dude, it's awesome. Have you seen the Green Inferno? The Eli Roth movie? I loved it. I loved All it my too. friends hated it. It's so All my horror friends hated it. Like it's terrible. Like even he was yelling at me to one show, he brought a sign and it said Corbin loves Green Inferno. <laughs> like that was his sign. And I was like, "Yes, I do." Cuz we were arguing over um Dark Song. Have you uh-huh. seen Dark Song? Yeah. So I didn't like that. Uh-huh. The last two minutes was awesome, but the movie itself, I was like, oh, my God, come on, please. Get me something no, to I mean, grab onto. I love movies where like you feel like you made one little dumb mistake and you've lost total control of your life. <laughs> and that's the, that's the Green Inferno. Yeah. It's like, yes. well, I just didn't get on the yes. plane, and now there's no way you're not yeah. getting out of this. Nope, there's it's no impossible. coming back from this. Yeah. Well, then what, should, what do you think I should watch? The Green Room or Mar- like tonight? Green Martyrs. Room, Martyrs. Mar- well, it depends what, what you want to do. Like. Green Room is like a kind of a thriller. Like it's got some crazy stuff. And then uh, it's like an action thriller, but it's like, dude, this could really happen very easily. Um, and then Martyrs is just, dude, it's a staple of horror movies for me. All right, but you got to watch the French version. Subtitles. Yes. Okay. Can you read good? I can read. <laughs> I mean, I started watching this. I can get most of the words so down. It's so funny. We, we, at dinner, uh, we had dinner at my wife's parents' house. Uh, where I grilled these monster steaks. I don't know, they're on my Instagram, dude. They I were, saw them. <laughs> dude, they were two and a half inches steak. And of course, another thing, the internet. I'm going, I put them on the grill. Dude, I can grill like a champ. I cook crazy level stuff. You train to be a wrestler. You're confident going into WrestleMania. You train to grill. You're confident going into dinner. 100% you got going this. into dinner. I, everybody knows it's going to be legit. Right. So I've, I've got the steaks on there, and I put olive oil on them to get that good crisp sear on them, and the fire's up, and I got to start and there's like Tim counts. You're burning the steaks. <laughs> your fire's too hot. You need to clean your. Somebody literally said, "You need to clean your grill." That's when you know you're. That a was heel. a comment. I'm at my wife's parents' house, bro. Like, not my grill. That's Still, when you know you're a heel. Yeah, right. When it's like literally it's, everything. <laughs> everything. You can't yeah. do anything right. So congratulations so on that. Thank you. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you, plant. I hope you've, you've been enjoyed great the firm. today. I've you've tried to great. give you a homey oh. environment here. We're in Westchester. This we is are? my hometown, the best Chester. Really? Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. There's a great Whole Foods down the road. Absolutely. I picked up some meals there today. Yeah. Uh, White Plains, or as the locals know it, White Stains. White Stains? <laughs> yeah. got stains? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I totally went on our cooking rampage and forgot. I was like, the reason we're at my parents, we had watched this Chinese subtitles movie, like the new karate one. It's on iTunes. Hmm. Man, I can't remember what it's called now. It looks awesome. First 15 minutes, I fell asleep. I had too much wine. Yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> that'll happen. Subtitles and wine and yeah. <laughs> sleepiness. Yeah. Well, uh, congrats on everything, man. I'm looking forward to seeing you out here tonight at the Westchester County Center. Should be um, fun. Should be a lot of fun. Last yeah, time I remember this crowd was good. Yeah, no, this is, I mean, this is, I used to go to this building when I was a kid. This is one of those buildings. It's got a lot of history. It's got a ton of history, and it's one of those spots where the whole crowd is the people that you were talking about before, where it's not like, they love it. It's like, oh, my God, these are the guys from TV, and they're here in Westchester, and they're in this place where, yeah. like, we came here for the train show. Yeah. And now the guys from TV are right here. I mean, you're what, this is a Braun Strowman-Baron Corbin match tonight. With 
chairs, kendo sticks, tables. At the county center. Too. It's incredible. You, I love if it. If you come to a WWE show to have fun, you will have fun. Amazing. 100%. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, man. Thank you. And thank you, Fern. It's good, Fern. Yeah, great, Fern. Hey, guys, I want to take a quick time out to tell you about something that hopefully, if you need it, may be able to help you. It's called Better Help. If there's something that's interfering with your happiness or that's preventing you from achieving your goals, something going on inside you, whether it's uh, whether it's anxiety, whether it's depression, whether it's any of these issues that come up that maybe you're not capable of handling by yourself, BetterHelp is there to assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating with them in under 24 hours. Look, it's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling and it's done securely online. It's tough to jump into this mental health world. You can't just jump in head first. Sometimes you don't know where to go. You don't know if the professionals that you need are gonna be in your area. And quite frankly, it can be an uncomfortable experience. Sometimes it's just better to do it in the comfort of your own home. That's where BetterHelp chimes in. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network. And like I said, some of them are not available locally in your area. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You're going to get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and they make financial aid available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. You can check the website yourself and read the testimonials that are posted daily. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NotSam. That's BetterHelp and join over 500,000 people that are taking care of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for listeners to this podcast, Not Sam Wrestling. You're going to get 10% off your first month. Just go to betterhelp.com slash not Sam. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Yes, it is. Welcome to the State of Wrestling, where we break down the top five things that happen in the world of professional wrestling this week, according to yours truly, as you know by now, the last professional broadcaster, me, Sam Roberts. And uh, let's start number five. I don't know if this is a full-fledged story or just a topic, but I think we're going to start number five with the person who was our guest this week on Not Sam Wrestling, Baron Corbin. I think uh, there were some hints in that interview. I think the fact that he is at home with his loved ones figuring out what that crown is going to look like. And we saw on Raw, by the way, there's a lot of insight in that interview. Because if you noticed, if you watched carefully on Monday Night Raw this week and go back, knowing what we know now from that interview, if you go back and you watch that, then you know what you're going to find. He didn't put the crown on this week. When he sat down in that chair, he didn't put the crown on. But he is going home and he's talking to his wife about uh, what needs to be added to the crown, what needs to be taken off of the crown, how we can make it bigger. Look, I'm not having those conversations with my wife unless I'm as sure as I am that Baron Corbin is going to win the King of the Ring tournament. I stand by it. I would like to give myself credit as being among, if not, the very first people to say, 
As I said to Baron Corbin in the interview this week, as I've said on the State of Wrestling basically every week since this tournament was announced, even before the actual first round matchups were announced, I said the King of the Ring tournament is built to showcase Baron Corbin. I believe now that we will have uh, a King of the Ring very similar to 1994. Go back, if you will, to 1994's King of the Ring. That is when uh, the King of the Ring finals was then the Rocket, soon to be the King of Hearts, Owen Hart, versus the unexpected good guy, Savio Vega. And the way that that was built, uh, it was built to say that, well, Savio Vega, we, you know, we didn't think that this, is, that this was going to happen. We didn't think Savio Vega would be here in the finals. So the fact that he's made it all the way to the finals, clearly, this is Savio's moment. Clearly, the WWE has decided he's the guy. I was shocked, by the way, at how many of you guys thought that uh, Andrade was going to win the King of the Ring tournament. I mean, not that he shouldn't. I love Andrade. But based on how he's used in WWE, I, I didn't think that this was a guy. I, I think it could have been good, but I just don't see that for him right now. Also, if you thought that he was going to beat Chad Gable at SmackDown, you got to be out of your mind. I mean, do you think they're really going to do Andrade versus Elias? No! It's nuts. So, you know, I mean, you have to confirm. It's one thing if one of them is kind of a tweener, as they call them. But when you have two confirmed villains, you know, how do you get the fans to cheer either Elias or Andrade without it damaging them in a longer-term sense? You know, that wouldn't just last for the match. So wasn't a shock. Once Elias won, and it screwed up my brackets because I had uh, Ali versus Andrade, and I thought that that would have been good for SmackDown, although it would have been a giveaway because once Corbin won on Raw, which I still think he will— we're not going to have an Andrade Baron Corbin match for the same reason. But still, I really thought it was going to be Ali versus uh, Andrade. Because Ali, you can believe he'll win because it's an underdog story. And Andrade, a lot of people thought was going to win anyway. Um, but obviously, the triple threat, Baron Corbin, Samoa Joe, Ricochet match is going to happen the night before uh, the SmackDown finals, which is uh, Chad Gable versus Elias. So I was surprised that that's where they went, but I can, I can, I understand. So, um, I, I, I think that Chad Gable, the reason I bring up King of the Ring 94 is because I think Chad Gable will be playing the role of one Savio Vega. I believe Chad Gable will beat Elias next week on SmackDown. And Chad Gable will give us the feeling Oh my God, I think he's going to win. I think he's the guy. Believe it or not, I mean, one of these matches is going to Night of Champions, right? On the Raw side, you've got Baron Corbin or Ricochet or Samoa Joe. On the SmackDown side, you've got Elias or you've got Chad Gable. I think Elias is a red herring. I think Kevin Owens owes him one, as I said earlier. And I think he's going to pay for what he did to the conspicuous by his absence, Kevin Owens. Uh, and Kevin Owens will probably cost him the match having Chad Gable win. I believe Baron Corbin will probably pin Ricochet. Thus, Samoa Joe never actually has to get pinned, but is also not the king. Because, I don't know, I don't know what 
a King Samoa Joe would even look like. I mean, I know what he would look like. He would look like Samoa Joe, except he would be wearing a crown. But I don't know what that character would represent. So I think Baron Corbin will probably pin Ricochet. Uh, and then I think that we will tell this story of, oh, my God. I mean, basically tell the story of what Baron Corbin versus Cedric Alexander was, what Baron Corbin and Ricochet, even though Samoa Joe is also in the match, will be. It will also be this Chad Gable versus Baron Corbin story where you're going, they're not really going to give it to Baron Corbin, are they? Chad Gable is the little engine that could. And Baron Corbin will be there to stop the engine and to revel in the boos that are showered down upon him. There are more people now saying that they think Baron Corbin will be the king. I was right there in the very beginning. And, you know, I was thinking a lot about Baron Corbin, especially after the interview. The interview we did was on Sunday of this week. I just interviewed Baron on Sunday. Uh, so with that interview in mind, watching him on Raw, watching the feedback that he gets and the feedback that he gets online, as well as the guy that I'm talking to uh, in the interview that aired here this week, I believe that before the year is out, and I tweeted this, and it was met with some people agreeing and some people very adamantly disagreeing. Some people really, really, really didn't think that I was right. However, as as time has gone on, I'm usually right, okay? Like, if you watch SmackDown and you saw the Roman Reigns, uh, uh, Daniel Bryan, Eric Rowan story play out, I talked about it on the podcast last week, okay? And this is still how I'm seeing this going. I love that Eric Rowan laid out Daniel Bryan. I think next week on SmackDown, we should do an Eric Rowan versus Daniel Bryan match. It should be the passion of the Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan should really catch a beat down. People should start to like the idea of him turning into a good guy with the way Eric Rowan beats him down. Then Daniel Bryan interferes in the match at Night of Champions, causing Roman Reigns to actually lose and Eric Rowan to get the victory. And Daniel Bryan smiles at Roman Reigns. And then after uh, uh, Clash of Champions on SmackDown, Daniel Bryan says it was him. It was him all along. It was me, Austin. And he did it for The Rock. Just kidding. I think that we should tell a story that he sacrificed himself for the greater good. That he allowed the pain of Eric Rowan to be inflicted upon him. Right? This isn't some like fake beatdown. He allowed Eric Rowan to beat him within an inch of his life because it was that important to get under the skin of Roman Reigns. And that's what he's going to do to Roman Reigns come hell in a cell. That's how I see it going. That's, that's how I would do it. But that is to say I'm usually right. And I think I'm right about this. By the end of the year, there will be, and it's growing. The level of Baron Corbin appreciation is growing and growing and growing. That's why I think this, that, that by the end of this thing, by the end of the year, Baron Corbin, it'll kind of be this more acknowledgement. Whereas for a long time, the internet has been against Baron Corbin. To the point, and I asked him about the go-away heat stuff, but to the point where for a long time, especially in that run with Seth Rollins, I think, when and in the Constable run where he was on Raw, you know, many segments per night, a lot of people were just saying he sucks, right? That he was not good at what he was doing. They were saying he's not a good heel. Even now, I mean, there are people saying that every match that he has that's good they say it's because of his opponent. Cedric Alexander took him to a good match. Miz took him to a good match. Every match that he's in, the other guy's taking him to a good match somehow. Rollins took him to a good match. Okay. It's a lot of people taking him to good matches every single time that you wouldn't give him any credit for that. 
But I believe that uh, fans are opening up to Baron Corbin. Uh, I believe as the constable gimmick starts to shed and we don't see the business casual attire anymore, um, I believe that his bad guy work will start to be very much appreciated by the fans. And I think it'll get to a point where Baron Corbin gets booed, but really people like him. You know, I think that that I I absolutely think it's going to happen. And I'm putting it on record that I was here first. I knew Baron Corbin was awesome. And you can go back on this podcast. I mean, for years, literally years. I would have arguments here on the State of Wrestling with Katie Linendahl about how great Baron Corbin was when he was in NXT. I'm not bluffing when I brought up the NXT promo that he did. When he said, you guys busted your ass for two hot dogs and a cup of water. All I did was make a phone call and I got here. And I remember on this podcast, when that was happening in NXT, I was arguing that Baron Corbin was an amazing bad guy because that story is the antithesis of the romanticized version of what success in NXT is. And he made people buy it and he made people believe it and that's why people booed him so much. It wasn't because he was boring. It was because he hadn't earned it. And the reason that people thought he hadn't earned it was because that was the story that was being told. And I think a lot of that is rubbed off under the current day main roster stuff. But as time goes on and Baron Corbin continues to get better and he continues to have good matches, I think that that wrestling fans are going to have no choice but to acknowledge that Baron Corbin is kind of the man, that he's crushing it on the reg. So I look forward to the day. I look forward to the day, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we're on the record, as we usually are, as seeing this coming and being there from the beginning. Story number four, CM Punk did uh, a sit-down interview with our friend who's been on the podcast before, Mike Johnson, at StarCast. And a lot came out of it, I thought. You know, it was pretty interesting. He had some great stories about The Rock, you know, stories about um, the night that The Rock called him from the Staples Center in a WWE ring when they were filming uh, the scenes for Fighting With My Family. That was The Rock's way of getting the uh, CM Punk chance to die down. Um stories about WrestleMania and it really does feel, you know, he talked about his match with the undertaker and how he was never mad about the match. He just wanted a better story. I think when that was more recent, he had a lot more venom or at least he, he seemed to have a lot more venom in conversations about it. You know, nowadays I think he has let a lot of that go and he should have, it was a long time ago. But to me, a lot of people said, Coming off of that, they're like, wow. And especially because he was not at All Out. And by the way, anybody who's wondering why I don't have an All Out recap in the state of wrestling this week, it's because over on the Patreon site, patreon.com slash notsamwrestling, exclusively for the Not Sam Shells, we did an entire All Out post show. So we did a whole post show dedicated to the pay-per-view. So that's up there now if you guys want to listen to that. It's less than a dollar a week. It's four bucks a month. So uh, you can you can check that out on on the Patreon site right now. But, um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, Punk at StarCast. So he wasn't at All Out. And what he was saying here, he was really talking about, you know, kind of being happy and not having an itch for it. And the fact that he doesn't even watch wrestling anymore. You know, that that, that fire is just not there like it used to be. And a lot of people took that to say, well, he's done wrestling. But for me, I took the opposite, actually from his interview. I thought his interview was more telling than any 
CM Punk encounter has been in years, quite frankly, when it comes to wrestling. And that was because Mike Johnson asked a really great question. There have been many questions asked many different ways. Do you ever see yourself coming back to WWE? Do you ever see yourself coming back to wrestling outside of WWE? Uh, who would you want to have a match with? What if you could main event WrestleMania? What if they gave you more money? What if they made you the champion? What Mike Johnson did was he asked a very, very, very smart question. And that was, if Triple H or Vince McMahon were to call you, would you take the call? Not, would you sign the contract? Would you go back? How much would it take? Just, would you take the call? And instead of saying, Immediately, because he did say, I don't, you know, he doesn't foresee that happening. But he didn't say that immediately. His immediate response was, yes, he would talk to anybody. He said that that venom is gone. He's not, he doesn't feel any kind of way. I believe that there is part of CM Punk that wants to be able to have fun and wrestle. You know, he had a hell of a reaction to finding out that uh, some of the superstars are allowed to take time off now. I believe that that word will get around. You know, I believe that CM Punk is a very valuable asset right now in the world of pro wrestling with as much competition as out there. Everybody wants to see him in a ring. Wrestling fans want, in whatever ring it is, wrestling fans want to see CM Punk. You know, they still chant his name. I believe that that word is going to get back to WWE. I'm sure it already has. And I mean, if I heard it. I would think that they heard it. And I believe there will be a phone call. And I believe that before long, CM Punk will be back in a WWE ring. I think CM Punk will be back. I think it will be on a very part-time schedule. I think it will be on a schedule comparable to Brock Lesnar's, maybe a few more dates but not too dissimilar from Brock Lesnar's. I think that it will not be something that he has to do full-time. I think he'll have full freedom to explore outside interests and projects, acting and the like, even MMA if he wanted to. But I believe he will be back in WWE under the type of deal where he only wrestles however many times a year, but he doesn't wrestle for anybody else. I think that this would benefit WWE in many ways. Number one, having CM Punk on TV, no matter how seldom, with any kind of regularity whatsoever, just being able to say we have CM Punk on the roster would be huge. It would be tremendous. There's very few people as big as CM Punk right now in our world, in the world of wrestling. There's, you know, there's Steve Austin, there's The Rock, there's Brock Lesnar. You know, Triple H obviously is is WWE family. Shawn Michaels isn't going to wrestle anymore. Undertaker is on that list. But CM Punk is on that list. CM Punk is a national, international star. If CM Punk were to show up in a WWE ring, it would end up in newspapers, not just dirt sheets. And I think he will. You know, I think that phone call will be made, and I think that they will figure out how to make something that's creative, fun, lucrative, and... That's a schedule that's not as difficult as the original one, and I can't wait for it. I think it's a, and I think it's a good move all around, and it'll stop competition from signing CM Punk at the same time. So, you know, I mean, if I'm AEW right now, I am getting as whatever money I can possibly get together to throw at CM Punk 
for any amount of shows that I can possibly get from him. I think he's that valuable. Um, but I think that at the end of the day, he will be back in WWE in months, I believe. Based solely on the interview, haven't spoken to anybody about it. But based solely on the interview, that's what I took away from it. Hey, sorry for the interruption, but you know these interruptions are always to make your life better. And this one is really going to make your life better. It's a team management tool. It's called Monday.com. It's going to improve your office workflow, whether you've got an office of 10 or 10,000. It could be just you and Hot Dog, like it is for me. Or you could be dealing with thousands of people across the globe. Monday.com makes it easy to track projects and stay productive. You don't need emails and spreadsheets and random files, whiteboards, to-do lists, everything else. Monday.com is going to organize it all in one single place. It's great. It's intuitive. It takes no time to set up. It's flexible, so it can do whatever it is that you need it to do. Look, so much time in the day is spent wasted trying to search through emails and find files and, and notes, and it's all a nightmare. Monday.com organizes everything in one place, so you're not going to waste time searching for everything. You, you also waste time trying to figure out who's doing what, why, and where. How is the project done? How much of the project is done? When's the thing going to be finished? Well, with Monday.com, you can easily assign tasks to coworkers and you can track projects. No more annoying emails to send out. You can check out Monday.com. It's an incredible team management tool. Monday.com, so effective, it's going to put an end to long, boring meetings. No more endless meetings trying to figure out new tactics to stay organized or who's going to be working on what. Monday.com does it all for you. That's why I'm recommending it. Monday.com. And if you go to Monday.com slash NotSam, they're going to give you a free 14-day trial simply for listening to NotSam Wrestling. There's no commitment you can check out monday.com and see for yourself how helpful their software is. One more time, that's monday.com slash notsam for a free 14-day trial. And make sure you use that exact URL, monday.com slash notsam. Because if you're using my URL, monday.com slash notsam, there's going to be additional savings if you choose to sign up. Get your act together. Stop wasting time. monday.com slash notsam. Speaking of taking away things, and here's the reason why CM Punk will be able to get back, even though there was so much controversy around him, it's because of what we learned in story number three, this week's Firefly Funhouse. One of the best parts, this week's Raw was really good. From the end, I mean, there were highlights in every hour, uh, great matches, the King of the Ring matches this week, amazing, really, really great. Um, yeah, I thought I thought Raw was really, really good. Um, and... The Firefly Funhouse was no exception. Man, does it only get better. The idea that they took what was said online, the advertisements from the arena that Helena Cell is going to be in in Sacramento, saying that The Fiend would take on either Braun Strowman or Seth Rollins. They took that and they had the Vince puppet get mad at Bray Wyatt, only for Bray Wyatt to be able to calm down the Vince puppet by shoving $100 bills in its mouth because he's making so much money for the company, letting the world know, letting the WWE roster know that The Fiend can do whatever he wants because of how much money he's making the WWE. And I mean, I think that's true. You look in the audience, you see tiny little kids, and they're wearing Fiend gloves. You know, the merchandise is selling like crazy. They're selling puppets and T-shirts and gloves and masks of this horror creation. 
So, I mean, I think it's pretty official. I think we're looking at a universal title match based on the fact that The Fiend keeps making money. A universal title match between Seth Rollins or Braun Strowman and The Fiend Bray Wyatt in Hell in a Cell. Now, I think that it's pretty quick for this. You know, I, I think that the idea of him losing or becoming universal champion is a little weird. Uh, I also wonder what you'd do because for Seth Rollins to lose it already would be quick since he kind of just won it back from Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. And the idea of Braun Strowman winning it just to lose it is also weird because that's not even, you know, that's a transition, you know. But it's one of those things where it's a very compelling match because you go in going, I can't believe that The Fiend is going to be the universal champion, but I also don't see how he would lose already, which is why it's already interesting. And look, at the end of the day, I'm sitting here skeptical of it, but tell me one misstep on The Fiend character. One misstep. There haven't been any. There's not, there is no reason to not go into every segment right now involving Bray Wyatt as a pure optimist because it has never failed. It could have failed during his entrance at SummerSlam, could have failed in the match, could have failed when he introduced the Mandible Claw as his finisher, could have failed when he finally showed up in the ring for the first time, could have failed many times and hasn't. So there's no reason for me to think this is going to fail. If anything, I'm optimistic. I'm going, look, I don't know what's going to happen here. And that's a great feeling to have when you're a wrestling fan. But I'll tell you this. the only I'm skeptical in the truest definition of the word skeptical. I'm pondering this. I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm not sitting here saying this is a bad idea. I'm not sitting here saying I don't want this to happen. Now... I want to see where this goes. Now, it goes back to my point last week where I would really like to see The Fiend lay out Steve Austin on Raw on Monday going into uh, Clash of Champions. So between now and October, Hell in a Cell, we are really building up The Fiend as a true main event player because it doesn't appear to have any matches at Clash of Champions. But, you know, this is as big as it gets for Bray Wyatt. Now... The only thing to be weary of is he's had big matches before, but like he lost to John Cena, he lost to The Undertaker, and those are big WrestleMania matches. Those are big moments for him, but he never really recovered from it, especially the John Cena loss. You know, that John Cena loss, you were like chugging along and chugging along and thinking like Bray Wyatt is the second coming. Bray Wyatt is the next main dude. And then once he lost to Cena, it was like, okay, he's fallible. You know, he's beatable. He's not as scary. Once he gets beaten, he's less scary. If you're looking at a guy in a scary mask and you know you could beat him up, not that scary. If you're looking at a guy in a in a in a Halloween mask and you find him to be unpredictable and unbeatable, that's pretty scary. You know, what if I told you that the fiend would win the universal championship at Hell in a Cell? And then go on to Survivor Series to defend against Brock Lesnar. Would you sit there and say, that's ridiculous, Brock Lesnar is going to cream the Fiend? I don't think you could. There's a lot of potential and possibilities here. Um, and all it took was one two-minute pre-taped vignette to sell us on this match. A match that is the next match. 
Not only does it sell us on the Hell in a Cell match, but it actually increases my interest even more so in the Clash of Champions match, knowing, okay, it's Braun Strowman versus Seth Rollins. I'm already interested in both characters. Okay, they're the tag team champions, so I'm interested in the fact that they've got that dynamic. And now, to know that The Fiend is looming somewhere? And either way, I'm good. I would love to see Seth Rollins versus The Fiend. And based on the Braun Strowman interview a couple weeks ago where he was talking about how Bray Wyatt is his guy, to see that match happen for the, at the main event of a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view for the Universal Championship would be amazing. So, you know, like I said, a lot, uh, a lot of positive can come from this. I'm skeptical. I don't know what this looks like, but that's okay. I'm not writing the show. I'm here to spectate. I'm here to watch. So if I don't know, I'm happy. Story number two, I know. I'm still happy. That's Bailey turning heel. Raw ended in a cliffhanger, which you absolutely have to love. SmackDown kind of ended in a cliffhanger too, a little bit. Raw more so. Um, lots of storytelling going on on Raw and SmackDown right now, which is right up my alley. I love that. Uh, but seeing Bailey turn... And the fans lose their minds. First of all, I don't know that people have made a big deal or maybe even realized that look at Clash of Champions. SmackDown Championship, Charlotte versus Bailey, Raw Championship, Becky versus Sasha. The original four horsewomen of NXT are the main event picture of Clash of Champions. Those four are the main event picture of Raw and SmackDown right now. They've figured out the places that everybody needs to be in, and it's really quite amazing. Now, you do wonder why not have Charlotte continue to be the ultimate heel, but I think it's because Charlotte, in whatever role she's been in, has done well. Charlotte is a great heel, but Charlotte is a great good guy too. You know, Charlotte can survive as a fan favorite. Bailey desperately needed a refresher. So I think that even though we don't get Charlotte as a bad guy, it's better for us to have Bailey as a bad guy right now. Um, I, I like the idea of Bailey not changing too much of her stuff. You know, I think that uh, what I would like to see is, again, use the internet to fuel your stories, okay? We all read stories about... Bailey and Sasha Banks kind of isolating themselves at WrestleMania and 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 talking crap and blah 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 blah. Well, why not make Sasha and Bailey feel like isolationists from the rest of the WWE locker room? Why not even give them a vibe of thinking they're better than the WWE locker room? And I'm not talking about some like mean girls, you know, beautiful people type of gimmick. I'm talking more about just Sasha and Bailey being above it. Sasha and Bailey not even associating with the other women or men on the roster. You know that feeling where it's like, no, 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 we'll just be off to ourselves. We don't know what you guys are doing. You know, we don't want any part of what you guys are doing. Not picking on anybody, just being like, no, okay, we're Bailey and Sasha. We're not going to hang out with you guys. Like we're we're they're they're off doing their own thing, sitting in their own section of the bus, just not associating with anybody else and kind of giggling about other people. Like what if they walk by and, and you know, Ember Moon was there going, hey, Bailey, hey, Sasha, and they just kind of look at each other and giggle and keep walking. You know, just little stuff like that. You know, I like the idea of Bailey 
not feeling like she turned heel. I like the idea of Bailey saying, what are you talking about? Sasha's been my friend this whole time. Why would I turn on Sasha? Like, you know, it started feeling more like you guys turned on me. I didn't turn on you. Keep the wacky wobblers. Keep the purple and the hugger and the, all this stuff. You know what I mean? Keep all that alive. Keep the theme music the same. But just have this feeling where Bailey's a little bit more aggressive, which she has been, and and add a little more of she thinks she's better than people. And I think you're onto something there. But I really, really, really enjoyed uh, the turn. Uh, you could hear the reaction, that like the gasp and the cheer. And the cheer was half because we wanted something refreshing for Bailey, but it's also because we didn't necessarily see it coming, right? It's something that we were like, oh, it'd be cool if. But I didn't think that was going to happen right there. And when it did, and then Bailey looks at Sasha and she's got that smirk, I just thought the whole thing was great. I thought it was really good. And I'm interested to see where it's all going. You know, I think that this sort of intertwined rivalry between all four is going to keep moving past Clash of Champions, which I think is great. I think it's really, really cool. I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in seeing where Sasha and Bailey are. But I think their sort of vibe that Sasha has gotten stuck with on the internet more than Bailey of complaining and, and being unhappy and resentful and whatever it is, whatever stereotypes you have in your mind of Sasha Banks, I think they should play into that for both people um, and really give the fans something to boo them for. Story number one is my favorite thing that's happened on wrestling Twitter in a long time. Over the weekend, my wallet, I was putting my kid in my car. I put my wallet on the roof of the car and then I drove to Dunkin' Donuts and then my wallet fell off the car somewhere and it's gone forever. I've been, I got, I didn't get a new credit cards, replacement driver's license, the whole thing. It's a real, real turkey. It's a real pain. And I felt stupid, but I felt much better when I read what went down yesterday. Now, as of this taping, I can only give to you uh, what we know. And that's that apparently Chris Jericho, on his way to a Longhorns Steakhouse, and you heard Corey Graves on commentary on SmackDown this week, he said all Drake has to do now, Drake Maverick has to do now, is jump in a limo and head to a chain restaurant. Apparently, here's the story, as I know it, or as I've heard it, as I've read it on police reports and whatnot. Chris Jericho gets off the plane, He's in the airport. He gets his luggage. He gets in a limo. He has his AEW championship with him. He tells the limo, take me to Longhorn's Steakhouse on the double. He realizes he grabbed the wrong bag. That's not his luggage. He gets to Longhorn's. He says, I'm going to get me a steak. You bring this luggage back to the airport and trade it out for my original bag. Limo driver says, okay. Chris Jericho gets out of the car, apparently leaving the AEW championship title. Everybody's been saying belt over and over again. Really a shame. AEW championship title in the car. Limo driver takes it back to the airport, replaces the bag, gets Jericho's bag, drives back to Longhorns. Jericho gets in the limo. The title is gone. It's gone. And, and a police report is filed, the whole thing. So... At first, this the, like rumbling start coming of this uh, online. And I'm going, no way. And then people start posting the actual police report. And there are people who still think it's a work even after the police report uh, in Tallahassee, I believe. And no wrestling organization is falsifying a police report for an angle 
that will play itself out on TV that doesn't air for a month. I mean, maybe if they falsified a police report two days before they went live on TNT, but a month before they go live, they're not falsifying police reports just to get a little buzz. So, I so I believe that it happened. I saw the police reports. Jericho makes a video. Cody tweets something out. Jericho makes a brilliant video about it where he's talking about uh, getting the bubbly out. He's got his scarf on in the pool. It's like sitting there and getting wet. He's in full Jericho persona. The video is brilliant. It's great. And he's saying that, you know, someone dastardly stole his championship. Um, Now, people looked at that and said, oh, okay, so this is a storyline. And I looked at that as something different. I think that uh, they were like, okay, we filed a police report. You know, the police are on it. Maybe they kind of knew what happened and they knew what the police would find, whatever. But I think they said, look, this story is completely viral. Mainstream news has picked it up. Everybody's talking about it. It's Longhorns is trending on Twitter. I think the best we can do is play into it. And if we never find the title, we can show up on TV in a month and have it play out on television for us. It's just a great story. You know, and I think AEW and Chris Jericho were super smart to play into it as much as they did. Today, as of this taping, the Tallahassee Police Department posted a photo with one of the officers holding the AEW championship and saying, we have, we, we have something that belongs to you, Ayatollah of Rock and Roll, Chris Jericho. I don't know if they actually called him the Ayatollah of Rock and Roll, but they said, we have something that belongs to you. So they apparently have found the title. I'd love to know who took it or if it was just misplaced or maybe if Chris Jericho just left it in a booth at Longhorns. Who knows? I'm assuming at some point we'll hear the whole story. If I know Cody Rhodes like I think I know Cody Rhodes, at some point he'll do an interview where he explains the whole story. But the jokes and the memes that were just pouring through Twitter were just incredible. You know, I saw Zack Ryder retweeted one of my tweets about uh, me, my tweet about losing my wallet, but wrestling Twitter has made me feel better. And he wrote, you deserve it, because I think he thought that the focus of the tweet was my wallet. But the focus of the tweet was the fact that I feel better. That was a little uh, underhanded acknowledgement, tip of the hat, if you will, to the shenanigans that were going on at the time. So funny, you know, I've heard that that AEW has a second title. I'm sure they do anyway. Like, it would have been replaced. Like, it's not like, you know, this is this this can't happen. This is going to destroy the promotion. It's just a little silly. It's a little embarrassing. It's a little dumb. And... You know, it's something that'll follow Chris Jericho, but I think Jericho will tell the whole story eventually. I think Cody will tell the whole story eventually. You know, I guess it's funny. And those guys at the end of the day know funny. And this whole thing was freaking hilarious. I absolutely loved it. Hey, don't forget to come out to Caroline's on Sunday. That's September 8th. This coming Sunday, 7 p.m. Go to carolines.com for tickets. I will be there. The guest lineup is going to be so great. You won't want to miss it. If you're in the New York area the night before Raw comes to Madison Square Garden, come out to Times Square, Caroline's on Broadway. Be a part of all the magic. You will never forget this live show. I'm so excited to do it and meet so many of you. That's my birthday weekend, okay? I'm celebrating with you guys. Come out and see me. It's going to be awesome. We will see you then, and then I'll see you again next Thursday. Uh, Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. 
This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.